0: Hey everyone, welcome to CWA Podcast number one. Got some great topics for you today, ranging from changes to the Canadian coffee industry, some interesting tips on hiking trails, as well as some awesome product reviews. We really hope you enjoy the show. Sal, how's it going?
1: Pretty good. How you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Oh.
1: Well, I finally took your advice and watched Jack Ryan. Nice.
0: Putting that Amazon Prime to good use.
1: Yeah, not only do I get free shipments, but I also get access to that I didn't realize you get access to Amazon Prime video as well. That's that actually is pretty good value. Um we're not sp- we're not sponsored by Amazon. yet. <laughs> yet. It's, it's, it's just tremendous Hey, we're putting value. it out there, Amazon. If you want to send us a message saying, "Hey, we'll sponsor you," pff, I'm all for it. But right now, we're not. This is like a free plug for them. But yeah, Jack Ryan, cri- like critically underrated, it is a great show.
0: Yeah, I was pretty blown away by it. It's uh, it hits on a lot of different levels. There's uh, the action is fantastic, but the cinematography, the the fight choreographing, the the writing is stellar and John Krasinski can be a badass he's not uh he's not just,
1: uh, he's not just nice Jim. Guy. he's not just Jim from The Office it's crazy uh there are so many there's a couple of scenes in that show where you're just like oh shit what's gonna happen and you know you don't think that Jim is gonna be the savior from The Office but um he actually does a great job that in A Quiet Place I'm really impressed with his work so far it's uh, solid
0: yeah, I would have never guessed that he'd make a good stealthy commando type, but uh, we should stop talking about the show because we don't want to give away uh, anything or have uh, create spoilers. But definitely check out Jack Ryan if you haven't seen it yet. What else you been up to, Sal?
1: Well, we went on a hike again, so we've kind of got into this routine of going on hikes every couple weeks, and uh, this time we hit up the Rouge Valley Park up in Pickering, another one near Pickering. I guess this one's considered Scarborough. It's by Toronto Zoo, so... It's off of Zoo Road. Uh, there's a couple different entrances, and there's two different hiking trails. Uh, which one did we go on? I, I think we what...
0: took the or- orchid or Orchard
1: Trail. I think it was that one. There's that one, then there's another one. I can't remember the name, but uh, the only downside is they're not looping trails. They're it's one way, so eventually you have to just turn back unless you want to go all the way around, which you could do it. It'll just take you a very long time. We had to end up going back because, uh, it was Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving in Canada. So we had to go have Turkey. Yeah.
0: It's, uh, I definitely think that it's worth doing the full trail and, and getting to see all sides of it. Maybe if you just dedicate some time to it, uh, I was impressed with uh, the variety of the trail. It's it's pretty easy going. Uh, there's some solid inclines. If you have a hard time with steep hills, you know, make sure you're wearing appropriate footwear and whatnot. But I think it's family friendly, and anyone uh, anyone that's determined can definitely make it up the hills. But uh, overall, the trail's great. It's awesome for photography. If you have dogs, it's awesome for that. Uh, you might be able to mountain bike through it. It's pretty wide, but uh, I don't know if it's it's
1: bike-friendly, but uh,
0: I'm sure there's details online about it, so
1: check it out. Yeah, um, it was actually raining that day, too. Uh, It was, I don't know, the weather's been weird lately. It's uh, mid-October, and it's like 23 degrees right now, and it's supposed to be 6 degrees tomorrow, but when we went out on that hike, it wasn't supposed to rain that much, but then it ended up like misting. We're hoping to do some you know good shots with uh with our cameras but uh we we kind of made it work right
0: yeah it was uh i, I was super i was super crushed uh the, this particular park always every time you drive past it you see these incredible uh leaf uh changing uh, colors uh, it, you know you get these amazing reds and yellows and uh i was really hoping that we could get some great shots of that and uh, the mist and and rain just absolutely killed any any kind of uh, nice color um, when we first got there. So it's something that was, you know, took a bit of uh, you know, we were up for the challenge of making the best of it and, and going through the trail and I think that we came away with some excellent photos and, and changed it up a little bit. Sal got creative yeah. and uh you know decided to get a little bit closer and, and maybe look at you know some of the other stuff that you wouldn't normally check out on the trail and we started doing a little bit of macro style photography and close-up photography getting really neat shots of water droplets on spider webs and and leaves and yeah maybe we'll link some photos uh afterwards if, if we get them posted online but uh you guys can check it out uh on our instagram accounts we'll link them at the end of the podcast if you want to check them out
1: yeah i was shooting with a fuji x100t and joseph was using an x pro 2 what lens were you using for most of the day uh
0: 50 millimeter 2.0
1: okay and uh i actually recently picked up a new camera i got the fuji xt3 and uh, i'm a little bit in over my head i'm still getting into photography as a as a hobby and uh it's a lot to learn but so far i really enjoy it it's uh, it can take some pretty amazing shots and uh I'm in love with the design. Like something about Fuji, it's the classic design I really like. The the full metal body is great. Like it feels great in your hands and um yeah, overall that's I think the well in the color. The color production you get on a Fuji versus other camera manufacturers is it's second to none.
0: Yeah, no, they they put a lot of effort into bringing uh it's going to sound kind of cliche or cheesy, but bringing the magic back to the to photography and Having the full manual controls, uh, you know, as individual dials and knobs, being able to set everything and see it before you even start taking photos. Um, I, I love shooting film photography and, um, you know, it's, it's just so damn expensive to get the photos developed if you're not doing it yourself. And the scanning process is a huge pain in the butt. So uh, the Fuji cameras kind of bring some of that magic to the digital world. So uh, they're, they're definitely great products. Um, and uh, you know, reach out to us if, if you guys want us to talk more about camera focus stuff or get really you know heavy into it we can do that um i think we'll keep it a, a, on the lighter end just so that we don't have people shutting off immediately if they're not into photography but uh we have some other cool topics to talk about as well so maybe we'll jump into those
1: so um uh- a routine that Joe and I have kind of uh, set up now before we go on a hike is we hit up Tim Hortons and uh, we usually get breakfast there. Um there's a bit of an incident at the Tim Hortons we went to somebody was yelling and apparently they do that all the time. <laughs> I don't know that you you overheard that?
0: Yeah, it's uh it seems to be an ongoing trend across Canada with Tim Hortons restaurants lately. We, we had uh we had the lady in British Columbia that uh that decided to poo on the floor and throw it at uh the uh the the workers there which was pretty disgusting to hear about and then recently uh another incident where a man uh received the wrong uh i want to almost call it a frappuccino what is the uh, this uh tim hortons the ice cap he made his ice cap wrong so he threw a fit through the ice cap it went everywhere and then he went on to like just completely scream at these poor workers that were there and like picked up their cash machine, threw it on the floor. Like this man was nuts. Um, so people, you know, like the workers at Tim Hortons are busting their ass to make a coffee, treat them with some respect. <laughs> if they make a mistake, cut them some slack. They're feeding like 400 people a- an hour. So, um, yeah, that that's my piece. You know, try to be nice. If you've never worked in the food industry, you don't understand how much it sucks. So don't talk down to those people.
1: <laughs> I mean, I agree with you; they shouldn't be treated that way. However, <laughs> the amount of times I've had a problem in my order, of Tim Hortons is it's kind of frustrating. But you know, it is what it is. You get what you pay for. But what, I'm not sure if you experienced this, but have you ever gone to Tim Hortons drive-through and? Like, you get up to the window to pay, because there's usually one window. There's not, like, a pay window and then a pickup window. Typically, it's just one window. You pay and you pick up. I find at Tim Hortons, as soon as you pay, they, like, to throw the food at you almost. They're just like, here, take your food and get out. We, we need to help the next customer. And the amount of times I've been like I want to pay and I'm like rushing to put my card back in my wallet or put my phone back on the the car mount and just trying to take the food and try and ask for napkins it's probably it is probably the most stressful fast food experience you'll encounter in a drive through i don't know joe do you ever experience this in drive through
0: um i generally normally order something small or get like a coffee and timbits if i'm if i'm going through the drive through there occasionally i'll get breakfast but the the if I have to make a complaint, the number one killer for me, I am a sucker for the Boston cream donut or the Canadian maple donut. And both, uh, if you've never had one, they're absolutely delicious. They're filled with uh, either uh, Boston cream is just like uh, some kind of like custard cream flavor and uh, the Canadian maple obviously has uh, that's all it's the same similar cream. They're both cream filled donuts, but they have obviously chocolate on top of one, maple on top of the other. And for some reason in the uh, 40 50 years how old is Tim Hortons now? Over 50 years. It's old. Yeah, they they just I don't know how they they just can't figure out a great method or at least consistently to put the donut in the bag without the icing sticking to the top of said bag and peeling off the top of your donut when you go to take it out. It's so infuriating. I know it sounds like a, a silly thing to complain about. First world problems. Yeah, I know. Let us know if this has ever happened to you. I'm sure it has. I, I, there's got to be like a, an Instagram or, or, or Twitter uh, account dedicated to it, I'm sure. But uh, that's that's my biggest thing. Let us know. Uh,
1: you know if you guys have ever had issues like this before. I mean, if you get a Boston cream as soon as they take it out, because, like, everyone knows Tim Hortons does not bake every donut fresh. They come in frozen, okay? I, I, secrets out, Tim Hortons. You don't make your donuts fresh. They come in frozen and you bake them. It's okay. I don't blame you. It's not exactly easy to make donuts. Um, but they do do, like, the icing and, you know, the custard. They do all that in store but um if you get it fresh good luck getting that chocolate icing cuz that's that's just going to melt right off sometimes when they put the wax paper in it helps but i mean like i said it's a first world problem but uh i mean i don't i want my boston cream to be good i paid for that
0: maybe the solution is that you need to order a dozen donuts at a time in the box because it never sticks to the boxes but I feel like the the obesity issue is just going to skyrocket if, if everyone's ordering a dozen donuts every time they want one
1: that seems like an apple tactic like if you want it to be done right you got to spend more money
0: <laughs> oh my goodness so on the topic of uh, interesting uh, changes and updates, um, maybe less of a complaint but more of an interesting uh, societal change. Uh, Starbucks is going to eliminate having straws. So I, I found this strange because occasionally I've had you know the uh, the Frappuccino drinks or or an iced mocha or, or dessert
1: in a cup, as I like to call it. Exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, and and I just can't imagine trying to drink this slushy beverage covered in whipped cream without a straw. It's just going to go all over your face. I have a beard, so it's, it's, it's going to be everywhere. It's going to be a disaster. So, I, I mean, I understand that they're trying to do this from, uh, you know, ecological perspective perspective you know the the straws are not are not great for the environment you know they go in the garbage they take forever to disintegrate Um, they end up living in a landfill for years so the solution is get rid of them or the customer buys a new straw so i'm wondering how much of it is like actually their ecological support or is it just hey we can make an extra dollar every time someone wants to buy one of these frappuccinos and you know uses one of our earth
1: friendly candy straws i don't know so what do you think uh i don't think i don't think they'll do that it's not going to be like um it's not going to be like uh like plastic bags at the grocery store it's like oh it's going to be 10 cents and you know most people will just pay 10 cents for a grocery bag if they forgot their reusable bags now reusable straws were available at starbucks they had like these titanium ones and i think they had to recall them because people were like jamming them in their mouth and cutting themselves i know it sounds crazy but hey you know what are you gonna do Uh, But I think I was talking to somebody about it today and they were saying, you know, it'll be expensive for Starbucks and other companies at first. But as soon as enough companies jump on board, so even if they make like a paper straw or a dissolvable straw or some sort of straw where it's eco-friendly, it'll cost them more at first. But as soon as more companies jump on and becomes more available and more companies are manufacturing it the cost will go down because everyone will have more supply. So it'll cost Starbucks more money. Maybe your Frappuccino will cost, you know, 50 cents more for a little bit and eventually go down. They could just blend it though. Like I've worked at Starbucks. You can just blend a Frappuccino and then it's like an ice cap. Uh, Like it's, you know, the only problem is millennials won't be able to post it on Instagram and it won't look as pretty with all like, you know, this, you know, like the unicorn Frappuccino with all the sparkles on it.
0: Yeah. It's, um, I don't know. It's an, it's an interesting thing to, I, I really hope they're doing it for the right reasons and, and not for the reasons that are going to make them more money, but uh, it's Starbucks. So we'll see.
1: Another thing about Starbucks though, um, you know, with the recent changes to NAFTA, or I guess it's the uh, USMC, whatever it is called now, the new trade agreement for, you know, North and North America and Central America is like, uh it actually affects Starbucks Canada. Not a lot of people know this, but when Starbucks started in Canada, all their beans, obviously the beans are grown in the bean belt, but they're roasted in the US and then they're shipped to Canada. There's no roasters here. So now they're actually going to get taxed more on their coffee beans. So I'm, I'm interested to see if maybe Starbucks will open roasters in Canada or are, is our coffee just going to cost more? I don't know.
0: I'm sure it's going to evolve into costing more they put the price up it seems like every year for for a cup of coffee um god i the last time i priced it i got a latte it was like five dollars it was unbelievable it's five dollars for some warmed up milk and you know one tiny shot of espresso so um i i certainly wouldn't be surprised if uh if they just tack on a few extra cents on a cup of coffee you know and and gradually just price it up and up
1: it's funny you say warmed up milk because it, it's it's truly, um, I don't want to say it's a problem at all, at all Starbucks, but I've noticed it more and more now that, you know, if, if anyone knows how to make a latte properly and how to aerate milk properly, like, you can't just stick the steam one in the milk and just, like, go and it just steams the milk some espresso machines can do that if they have a really good steam wand and i'm sure the ones at starbucks the Mastronomist machine is really great but no one's airing the milk properly it comes out just like full of bubbles and it's not velvety and smooth like you would you're supposed to get in a latte and i know joe and i have gone there before and we're just like what the hell is this you know i asked for a latte and it it looks like a cappuccino or it's just like it's a free pour of steamed milk and there's just tons of foam
0: yeah it's something that's it's a bit challenging. I mean, it also comes down to I think the majority of the workers at these places they're not passionate about being there. I mean, occasionally you'll you'll find someone that had training in another location or worked at an independent coffee house where some really sweet European person taught them how to you know make coffee the old-fashioned way or uh, you know uh, you know how to how to create the perfect latte or how to pour it properly and and you know those are standout locations but yeah uh, again like it's kind of first world problems to complain about but if it's getting to a point where you're paying five dollars for a drink it would be cool if they made it properly
1: yeah it, it largely depends on which starbucks you go to like if you go in downtown toronto it's honestly hit or miss some of them are fantastic some of them are you know not fantastic um if you're ever in mississauga and you go to any of the starbucks that are around at what i like to call hq valley Ooh, good luck, <laughs> especially uh, you know, if they're around a bunch of different corporate headquarters. Those it's a zoo in those Starbucks. Like there's it, it's, it's always a line up. Every table's always taken, and you're always waiting for your drink. And you're lucky if you get it right.
0: That's I think that one of the challenges these these poor people that work at again that the, the coffee shops they're under so much stress and pressure to deliver uh you know all these beverages within a specific timeline you've got a lineup of angry people that are so important that should have had their coffee first or whatever variation of degrees that they want their drink steamed to or uh, other high maintenance changes to their drink um, to try and remember all of that execute all that within a timeline and create the perfect texture and and pour it properly. That's a, a lot to ask of someone that's making effectively minimum wage or just above minimum wage that doesn't necessarily want to make this their career. Um, so I can understand why the inconsistencies are there, but, you know, add to all of that that they're throwing in online orders now and you've got this extra lineup of drinks that need to be made for someone that's not even there yet. And then they're going to start yelling at you once they're there to pick it up that their drink's not ready Um, I don't know. I feel like they're, they're setting these places up to fail. Um, and because they're, you know, putting all these new online ordering systems in, or if you've been to a McDonald's, they have the the smart digital signs for ordering. They're actually putting less people on shift. Um, and that's not helping them make the food or drinks any faster. So, uh, I don't know that, um, automating all of these things is actually improving the experience for anybody. So that's my two cents.
1: I mean it's experience sorry it's improving the experience for shareholders but cuz you know labor costs we all as we all know are you know probably one of your biggest expenses in any business but um I don't know we're not here to talk about that um bouncing back to uh donut shops for a moment uh back in the 70s my dad owned a donut franchise called Mr. Donuts and uh Joe Um, a little while back I actually went to Japan and Mr. Donuts in Japan and I was really curious if it was the same ones I was talking to my dad about it and he's like yeah uh, a company bought it in the uh, you know in the 80s and that's when he got rid of the franchise and they moved to Japan and they're wildly successful there now I don't is a whole that's a topic for another episode we're going to talk about travel in the next episode so we'll come back to that but I just want to kind of wrap up our topic of uh, cavios and donuts
0: Oh man, don't even get me started on Japan. Mr. Donut was uh, definitely a favorite experience there. So uh, I don't know, it'd be awesome if they came back to Canada, but it's probably pretty unlikely. But yeah, no, we'll definitely talk more about Japan in a future episode. I'd love to get in on that topic again. So shifting gears a little here, uh, I think we're going to change up the topic to something totally different. So, um, you know, a lot of the things that we'll talk about on this podcast are definitely tech related, and definitely, you know, uh, whether it's like talking about laptops or cameras or, or you know, whatever kind of technology, all of these things can be carried in bags. And uh, t- this is we something, got a problem. Yeah, we, we both have a serious bag collecting problem uh, when it when it comes to this stuff. Whether it's a man bag, a man purse, a backpack, um, I think I've. I must have collected at least like uh, seven or eight of them over the years of varying sizes and shapes and, and whatnot. There, there is, I've been looking for that Holy grail, uh, you know, perfect size carry all there. It doesn't exist. You, you need to have,
1: there will never everyone. be enough bags for you to own. It's a tr- fit that it's true.
0: No. So um, one of the companies uh, you know, over the years I've used a ton of bags from low pro, especially for camera stuff, love their stuff. Um, OGO is another brand that Sal and I both have bags from that have been good in the past. Um, Billingham is, you know, hands down is, is my favorite go-to for, for, you know, super classy camera bags or, or EDC bags. Um, but, uh, the, the new kid on the block, uh, I guess they're a few years old now, but, uh, the, the one that, uh, definitely we've been, uh, using uh, a ton of their products is Peak Design. Sal, why don't you, why don't you, uh. <laughs> So, <laughs> tell us the story of how peak, peak Design, actually, I think was what got you into photography.
1: It, it is. So Peak Design, uh, they started out by making just like camera straps and um, different accessories for your camera. And nice. like I wasn't really even into photography. Like I like taking pictures when I got my first bag, but I just wanted a good bag for all my stuff and like for work, for my laptop, for carrying uh, like my phone I wanted something that'll just carry everything and I can use it for anything. And Peak Design launched this Kickstarter for their everyday messenger. And I was like in love with the bag because, you know, it's designed for photographers, you know, for carrying your lenses, carrying your your body and, you know, anything you would use as a photographer. But it didn't have to be that. You could use it to carry your laptop, a tablet, you know, you could use it to carry a spare change of clothes whatever you want you put in the bag because you can customize it but it wasn't just that that made me really like the bag it was the materials the fact that it was water sealed the uh, like the die cast metal that's actually on the bag so there's a lot of premium materials and you know I'll be honest it's not pretty to look at sometimes people are like that bag is ugly as hell it's not it's very um, utilitarian I think is the right word for it where it's it looks like a tech bag because it is a tech bag.
0: Yeah, if if you're the type of person that is into the North Face or Patagonia or Arc'teryx or any kind of like the more minimalistic outdoorsy type companies or or uh, you know that that type of design, it's definitely gonna not to include a terrible pun, but it will pique your interest. Uh, I think you know that the look of it is definitely maybe an acquired taste but i think it'll be an acquired taste that most photographers and tech enthusiasts will like
1: yeah so um i started out by getting the messenger that was um that was when i first started my addiction of peak design products and they've taken so much money from me since uh, i invested in a like a strap for the xt3 that i got and i have the capture clip and I know Joe is apprehensive about the capture clip and I've been using it here and there. I mean, it's terrifying to use it on like the fire, the 10 liter sling, which I also have. Um, And mostly because the camera is like hanging upside down. Under the sling, so it's like, hey, well, your 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 $2,000, $3,000 camera, yeah, it's just going to hang upside down. It won't fall out, but it's going to be upside down under your bag around your your butt. and It's a little bit stressful, but like on the Messenger, it holsters on the side. If you have a backpack, it clips right onto the strap. It's a great tool for when you're out and about and you're hiking and you want to put your camera down, but you don't want to put it in your bag. So, uh, Joe, like you, like I said, you were apprehensive about it. You're like, nah, I, I would never use that or no, I, I don't think I'd get a use out of that. And then I let you use mine for a little bit.
0: Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll be the first to admit that I'm not a fan of straps. I, you know, do a ton of photography, but I love to just have the camera in my hand. And I normally have a, used to always have a shoulder bag on and just, you know, it in the bag when i wasn't going to be holding it so it was never really an issue until we got into sort of hiking and, and backpacking and stuff like that and um you know when you're going up a super steep hill it's kind of handy to just put your camera somewhere so that you don't fall on it or or drop it or something like that and uh by putting the capture clip on the shoulder strap it's it's pretty cool you can uh, put it in there uh there's sort of like a it looks like an Arca Swiss mount uh, for a tripod if you've ever used one of those. Uh, you mount that on the bottom of the camera it's a little base plate and it slides into a bit of a it's kind of like a, a locking clamp and uh, yeah it's it sits there nicely. you don't have to worry about anything. Uh, and it sort of just out a handy, if you put it on your, you know, the, the shoulder strap, it's right at, on chest level. So it's, it's handy to, to grab it and, and, you know, grab, pick it up and, and, and take a photo at any point. You, you're not going to, you know, miss uh, a shot terribly or anything, but it, it keeps both of
1: your hands free if you need them for, for whatever. So I'm actually in the market for a new backpack at some point, And, you know, I've already spent. You know, I already have, like, three Peak Design bags. I have the Messenger, I got the 10-liter sling, and the 5-liter sling. I might as well get the backpack. And I know Joe is not a fan of the backpack, and I've been watching some reviews on it. I mean, it's not your ideal camera backpack because a lot of camera and gear backpacks now, like, you open it from the back, and there's a bunch of different slots, and you can access your gear. The way the Peak Design one is designed... Huh is um, you open it from the side and all the like dividers are in there and you can put different things in it. The only problem is you can open it from both sides. And if you're not careful and if you don't open it, like holding it sideways, your stuff can fall out. And I know a lot of people have that fear. I mean, it all just depends on how you use the bag, right? If you open it on the side and you're like, all oh, my stuff came out. It's like, well, why'd you open it like that? I know it's not an excuse, but I guess it's the way. Like, was that the only thing that you were not too impressed about with it?
0: No, I mean... So I use uh, a backpack from uh, Lowepro and it, it's, it has access on the sides as well, which is great. Uh, it has two pockets that are the size of a camera body, so you can pull out the camera and not have to worry about anything. Um, and the difference with the peak design is that literally the entire side unzips, so even if you are very careful and you have everything, you know, uh, adjusted on the right angle when you're unzipping it, you know, nothing will fall out. But because of the the cool technology of their sort of interchangeable and flippable uh, dividers, it, it's a great piece of technology. The downside to it, though, is that when you have the whole side panel open, if you have one of those things flip the wrong way, I've seen a couple review videos and, and had a friend mention that, you know, you have to be ultra careful with it because he had a lens fall out of the camera bag, uh, just like you mentioned. And, you know, he wasn't being reckless with it or anything like that. So, um, it's just a, it's a bit of a different design. His other, uh, issue with it was that it sucks if you want to use it as a camera, and daypack so for example if you set up all the dividers and stuff anything that you put in the top can still work its way or fall through the top and fall into the section where your camera gear is Uh, whereas many of the other backpacks have a clear-cut you know 50 50 split of here's the camera gear and here's your other stuff or for example, uh, the low pro bag that I have, why the name is escaping me. The pro tactic um, bags. You can uh, convert the uh, dividers any way you like. So you can you can choose how much of it. If you just want, you know, one camera body and the rest of it as a regular backpack, you can convert it to to be like that. If you want to have it all as camera gear, you can set it up that way too. And the nice thing with this bag is you, you actually lay it down on its back. So if you have to put it on the dirty ground you're not putting it on you know the back pad that's going to be against your back Uh, it doesn't get you know mud and muck and water all over you when you put it back on you lay it down on its back and the full thing unzips and the other thing that's really cool about that is you don't have to worry about theft or anything like that if you're traveling no one's going to be able to unzip it and take your camera gear out of it um, because the main access is you know it's against your back so that's just a different design feature um and you know Different people will want to use their gear in in different ways, so it's I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. It's definitely going to come to per, uh, come down to personal preference. Uh, with the backpack that I have, it looks like something that you would you know wear like going to war or something. It's got, you know, Molly straps <laughs> all over the back of it. It's got it like was a, Army Green. <laughs> yeah, if if you were super into Call of Duty, then uh then, you know, it's your bag. But uh it's not my favorite looking bag, but it definitely has my favorite features of any of the camera backpacks.
1: And I think Peak Design kind of took that feedback as well. I, I think that uh their everyday backpack very much was just like an like an EDC everyday carry bag and it wasn't really a camera bag. And I think a lot of people noticed that and ran with that and they st- they did another kickstarter recently for the um travel line which is very similar to what joseph uses now where it it's like compartmentalized where you can have different slots for camera gear or if you want to separate it so you have quick access to other gear that you're packing and you don't want to interfere with your camera gear and they have this whole cube setup so I like I was I don't know if I would jump on that backpack. It's a little bit too intense for me. Um, I've watched some reviews on it as well. The downside to that backpack is it's, it's actually kind of heavy on its own. I don't know the exact weight of it. Uh, it'll we'll post a link below. But you know I I heard one person complain that it's almost like thirty percent of the max weight of a carry on bag. So. If the bag by itself is that, imagine what, like, you know, if you have a mirrorless camera and lenses and if those lenses are made of metal, good luck getting that on a plane because it's just like all of the weight's going to be in that and you're not going to be able to take anything else with you. So I think that's one downside of the travel line, but there is one (laughs) glowing beacon of the travel line that Joseph and I both want to jump on, and that's the tech pouch.
0: Yeah, no, the tech pouch is a really, really cool addition uh, to their stuff. Uh, It allows you to literally throw everything into it's effectively like an overgrown pencil case, I guess, but uh, it's looks like it's got a full zip. um, And what's cool about it is it has this sort of accordion style set of dividers built into it uh, with all kinds of shapes and sizes. And it's designed for your tech stuff, whether it's, you know, your mouse or hard drive or, Uh, Power brick and and many different cables. It has, uh, you know, everything is set to specific sizes for for all of your regular tech items that you'd use on a regular basis. So whether you want to carry your phone and a portable charger in there, you know, it, it has, you know, through through loops and and cables so that you can actually run the cable through and charge your phone on the outside of the package. It's got uh, space for your uh, camera memory cards and, you know, portable USB keys or portable hard drives. Uh, it's it's they really thought of everything for this. And, and the execution on it is fantastic.
1: Yeah, I think I would just invest in just a tech pouch to be honest. Um, maybe the everyday backpack down the road or Some backpack. I don't know. I'm in the market for a backpack. Backpack lovers, get get on me. Come at me. Tell me what you got.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hit us up with an email and let us know what your favorite bags are or uh, specifically backpacks. Um, I think that... The Peak Design bags uh, bring tremendous value with the shoulder bags and uh, the you know the majority of their products, but the backpacks are just a little bit too expensive. I think for for the value that you get out of them, I don't know that it really matches uh, the other products that we have from them yet. I, I don't think I would pull the trigger on a backpack from Peak Design either. So, uh,
1: one thing I do like though is the I'm not sure if you've ever heard of this subreddit, but it's called like Buy It For Life and um a lot of people on that subreddit recommend peak design because although they you know they're not a huge company they do guarantee all their products for life so you know if it has wear and tear that's they're not going to replace it but um if a strap breaks if a met like a piece of metal breaks on it you just have to email them they don't even want a receipt because they're like we know you bought it from us it's not like you're going to get a, a knockoff of a peak design product and they'll actually just replace it for you i you know they're they're great people. I've talked to them before, like their customer service and they're very understanding. I've thankfully never had an issue with any of their products, but I do like the fact that they like, they firmly stand behind their product and they'll replace it for you. Like no questions asked. They're not going to ask you for a proof of purchase that you didn't keep from like Henry's or downtown camera or one, you know, wherever you bought it, they're just going to replace it for you. They're not going to give you any hassle for it.
0: Yeah. Um, I think, uh... One of the things I really liked about them, too, was uh, recently uh, one of the reasons Sal and I both like their strap system and and a lot of the accessories, they have these anchors that go through uh, the eyelets of where you would put your strap normally, where you'd tie the strap on to uh, your camera. Uh, they have these quick release anchors that allow you to clip it or snap it in and out of your strap, uh, a- as well as you know connect these anchors to other accessories. and. Um they heard from I think four really intensive users that they were having you know some issues with their anchors and that they were beginning to sort of show wear and tear and uh, one of them i think frayed or or had a manufacturer's defect so uh instead of sort of saying well you're using it wrong or you know it's not intended to go through the eyelet directly it's meant to go through uh you know a a clamp ring first and um instead of placing any blame on anyone else they actually reached out to every single customer that has the generation three anchors and said Just go to this website, fill in your name and email. We don't even care if you have proof of purchase. We don't want your old anchors. Just please stop using the version threes we don't want you to have any kind of potential of it wearing out uh you know prematurely we're going to send you free ones however many you ask for you put in and they went with the honor system i got eight anchors you know uh, uh, it, they they were great you know, and and you know it came within a reasonable amount of time they sent the uh the keychain rings I can't remember the specific name for the camera size ones but a uh, little smaller uh, rings to uh, to put it through the eyelets they're really well designed just like the rest of their products uh, and they did a fantastic job and it was all free so uh, you can't beat that kind of service so I was I was super happy with how they handled that
1: yeah not enough companies do that these days where they just stand behind the product they you know it's not so much admitting fault it's just hey you know what we want to make sure that our customers are happy so We're going to do this for you. You know, it's not like we're not admitting there's a huge problem or all of our products are defective. But, hey, you know what? We noticed this. Um, Here's how we're going to fix it. Here's a solution for you. Not, you know, passing the buck or saying, you know, oh, you can claim your warranty. But only if, you know, this, this, this. And, you know, you're able to cross off these checkboxes. But not if this happened. So, you know, good job, Peak Design. Thank you for, you know, standing behind your products and helping out your customers. So... I think that's about it that we're gonna talk about today. Uh, we want to wrap up the podcast with recommendations so every week we want to recommend something for you to listen to or watch and uh, you know it can be anything from like a, like an album, a TV show, a movie, uh and we're gonna talk about a news report today or like food, coffee shop, you know, just something that we really liked and connected with and we think you should take a look at it. So uh, Let's we, call it
0: cultural recommendations.
1: <laughs> yeah. From the Greater Toronto area, CWA podcast. So uh one thing that I took a look at and it's it's funny because I was talking to Joe about it and he was like, Oh no, I watched that too. Uh you know think of a time where you saw bad publicity about apple on the news you can't really pinpoint too many like who everyone remembers ben gate or you know antenna gate those are big deals but in general apple does a great job of suppressing or not maybe suppressing is the wrong word but you know making sure that in the media they are either not in it at all or it's positive news uh you know they on all of their YouTube videos, you can't comment or like the video. It's all, you know, it's all shut down Twitter. They don't even have Twitter. They have no tweets. You can't reply to any tweets. They don't like social media because that means, you know, if you post on their social media or if you post on their YouTube channel and the first comment is Apple sucks and that gets all the likes and it's at the top, they don't like that, you know, and it it does tarnish the brand. So their way of handling that is, no comments, no like or dislike bar, no rating system. And, you know, they have a lot of billboards. They have a lot of signage, big marketing ads, commercials, radio ads, where you can't really respond to it. You can only just observe, listen, and view it. So it was really odd for me the other night to see this CBC uh, report on the national. Do you remember what it was called?
0: I can't remember the specific title of it. It was one of the undercover reports that they do, uh, something or other about Apple under fire
1: for uh, controversial business practices. So we're going to link it below. Uh, definitely take a look at it. I don't want to go into too much detail about it, but um, you know, it's probably one of the first times I've seen Apple get a little, caught a little bit red-handed, doing some stuff that they probably shouldn't be doing, and I don't think anyone's really surprised. And um, if you're a fan of Louis Rossman, uh, who does repairs in new york city he he's in it. They actually went to go see him in new york, which was which is awesome. I remember when he first started out on YouTube, so check it out. It's down below um and Joe, what did you want to recommend?
0: Um, first of all, I just want to comment really quickly without spoiling that that other link uh too much. uh just if you guys have ever had to have anything repaired from Apple, if you have an iPhone, if you have a laptop you definitely should watch this video and and check it out and don't be afraid to maybe get a second opinion on your product but uh it's a great video definitely check it out below um the the thing i want to bring up is completely random um i am by no means uh, a huge fitness buff or or a, a gym goer uh trying to get into better shape but i have a problem with gummy bears and gummy candy, and and anything that's that's chewy and sweet like that. And uh, recently, I was just passing by Herc's uh, supplements supply uh, chain uh, place, and and they have these uh, new. Uh, sort of, I guess, healthy versions of uh, like Swedish fish, gummy bears. Uh, There's a a whole different line of them. I think they had Um, Sour Patch Kids too. Yeah, and they're three grams of sugar uh, per bag. Uh, which is really interesting. It's a company called Smart Sweets. Uh, they're based out of BC. Um, seems like a super cool company. They also offer vegan uh, models, if uh, if you're one of those. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's not a terrible, if, if you happen to be of the vegan... Uh, hey, don't
1: hate on vegans, okay? No. Vegan food is actually delicious, but it's probably just as bad for you as other food. Yeah,
0: in terms of health-wise, yeah, that's it, uh, yeah. It, anyway, if, if you're, if you're watching your calories, if you're watching your sugar intake, um, or if you just, if you're super into working out and you're one of those people, that has got 0.3% uh, body fat or something like that, but you, you, know, you still get cravings every now and then check out smart sweets. Um, they're, they're fantastic. Uh, so yeah.
1: Anyone who does like the keto diet, it has, uh, a lot of net carbs. So, uh, you know, If you're into keto, you'll know what that means. I'm not going to explain net carbs because there's not enough time in any podcast to go over that. We're not a health podcast. But if you're into keto, check those out because you'll be all over them because very low net carbs per per package.
0: Cool. So I think that wraps it up for this week, Sal. Um, we'll, We'll definitely have lots to talk about. You've got a trip coming up soon uh you know i've i've got some some interesting plans coming up soon so we'll definitely have lots to talk about for for
1: next week um do you
0: have anything else you want to add
1: nope uh yeah like you said i'm going on a trip going to disney this week so uh, i will come back and talk about disney when i get back and uh we can touch on that subject of japan that i know you're i know you're so fond about joseph yeah
0: no for sure we'll we'll definitely uh i mean we can compare and contrast
1: Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, everybody. We'll see you next time. Sounds great.
0: Take care, guys.